Hello, 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 my fact fiends and friends. Spooky season has been upon us, and unfortunately, it has been rather busy. I apologize for slacking on my favorite season in all of history, but that does not mean it will end with October. So to start off, thanks to this little delay, I wanted to re-release a couple of the fan favorite episodes. I can tell from my data slash data. Re-releasing a couple or redoing a couple, adding some info. Today is just a full re-release. Also, that lets me prepare because I think we're going to stick with spooky season or weird, unsurable. Yep, mm -hmm. that's a vibe and we're going to stick with that vibe until the end of the year. We do have one monumental case that we will be handling for Christmas because Christmas is, as always, a really strange time for big cases. So today we are introducing Dun 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 Season 3 and we have our bonus episodes of the re-release, re-edit, remix. Yeah, we'll let the episode speak for itself and without further ado, here's me again, but from 2020. Hello everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk About the Facts. We are more than halfway through spooky season, and let me tell you, I did not realize it was exhausting researching spooky things. I thought I knew a lot of spooky things, and I was right. So, guess who's back with us today? Guess who's back? Back in Back black. again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we messed that one up horribly hi everyone it's kelly larson <laughs> i was going acdc oh yours is way better than mine black and black Rip a sack. <laughs> i don't think i actually know the words i, I don't know noises. the rest of it all i know is <laughs> black and black hit the sack da -da 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 be back and that's exactly how i sing it it's the only way to sing it now if anyone tells you that they sing it differently they're lying Unless they're ACDC. Unless they're ACDC, yeah. But there's several songs that I get terribly wrong. Because I thought it was like, Hold Me Closer, Tony Danza, for sure. Because I had just learned who Tony Danza was. And then I heard the song for the first time. Oh, Sweet Summer Flower. Oh, yeah. No. But that's not the worst one I ever did. I, for, like, for the longest, I think I was 15. I was riding in the car with my dad. We used to listen to this song all the time. So the fact that I waited until I was 15 to ask him, I was like, Dad, I don't get it. Why is there a bathroom on the right? And he was like, what? <laughs> you know, Bad Moon on the Rise. Oh, my God. I mean, that's that's okay. But He doesn't dad... enunciate. <laughs> Do, do you remember the song Mr. Brightside by the Killers? Do I remember? I listened to it this morning. I mean, it's it's the perfect it's the perfect song. But my dad, my dad, whenever when they get to that part towards the end of the song where he starts shouting like I never my dad always thought that he was saying Viagra. <laughs> so we would be in the car and suddenly you hear Donald Larson's ch chanting of Viagra. Shout out. 
Oh, yeah. Gotta I'm love it. into it. I'm. It works for the song. It does. Just it's, oddly. Just gotta get it up. Why I'm not? I'm into it. Oh, that's so good. There was <laughs> there was another song um, that I screwed up. It was the lyric is once bit twice shy. I thought it was spit and swipe shine. Oh God. Oh yeah. Embarrassing. So speaking of things that we are known to screw up or change just because we've heard it differently or you know the like we will be doing a very interesting type of episode today guys but first and foremost let us tell you who we are this is let's talk about the facts and we are a podcast that researches cold cases bizarre phenomena and the wildest stories that i felt like researching And we have a patchwork episode because I wanted to cover a bunch of teeny-weeny Halloween-y stories all in one. Amazing. As always, Kelly has no idea what I'm about to do. Absolutely nothing. I have as much clue as I did trying to get my bachelor's degree at LMU. Nada. Same. Same, same, same. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I still did get my bachelor's degree. Honestly, it's all a blur. I still have nightmares that I did not. So oh my God, same. I, do you get, do you get that uh, that recurring college nightmare that never goes away where you wake up and, well, you wake up in the nightmare where you're like, oh man, I have a final for a class I never attended, but I somehow every signed night, up for? Every night. It's the worst. It's terrible. It's terrifying. <sighs> and then you realize that you don't have pants on as you're running to class and you're just like, well... I still got to take this final, guys. Everyone's just going to see my ass. It's fine. You know, I never trip about the no pants thing because I'm just like, guess what? Everyone's getting a free show. Yeah. They should be grateful. Yeah. That never frightens me. I'm like, guess I'm here with no pants. Yeah. Why not? Who let me in? (laughs) (laughs) So before we get going, I have to remind you that I am your host, Elizabeth Fury, and you know, I probably still don't need an introduction because I'm about to power through these stories like, go, go, Power Rangers. And uh, shout out to Seamus, good friend of the pod. And uh, why does everything seem to explode on the original Power Rangers show? Do you remember that? And Loki, like... Because when you're five, all you want to watch is things explode. You are so not wrong. <laughs> but like... Like who the- didn't want to set fire to things in their house at the age of five? That's true. I might have just given too much away. But anyways, no, no, I was I was like thinking about me at five and I was like, yeah, I did. Yeah, like, Um, come on. I really like I can get this mental image of me at five just like standing there going. (laughs) (laughs) That little girl standing outside of the burning house with a smirk. That was. Oh, yeah, that was that was a big mood for me. Um, I just had longer hair. Um, (laughs) But did it not feel like the theme song to it? Power Rangers was like a Dragon Force song before its time. Because oh, yeah, no, that song slaps still. It's powerful. It's like it's for Power Rangers. I was gonna I was like, you gotta drop it. When is she dropping it? There we go. Ba bum bum bum. But uh so anyway, if you've listened to literally any other episode, you know that there is a non zero chance I'm gonna garble up something or trip over my words. Feel free to make a count. I'll believe you. I'm not going to check. So, as this is my very first patchwork episode, I suppose that for 
like us at least, um, we should like lay groundwork for what a patchwork episode is. So it's going to have to include at least three or more stories, usually shorter stories that we didn't want to cover in like a whole episode because then we'd be painfully dragging out the details. But also it's going to be fun to talk about. So here we go. Patchwork number one. No, I'm kidding. So (laughs) generally we give context based on like the year and what's going on in the area or the world or whatever is relevant. And that will be littered amongst the stories. So there is no context section. If you're competing on Weakest Link, you're going to have to listen to the whole thing. Sorry. Um, However, Kelly and our audience, you'll get the chance to decide whether or not each of these stories I'm telling will be based on something that may or have happened in real life, like a tangible place in the world, or if it's totally fictional. So think of this as the podcast version of Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction. I love it. Let's get into it. Let's go. I'm pumped. Side note, if anyone's looking for like a new host for the continuation of that show, right here, guys. Right here. I've been practicing my Jonathan Frakes. It's amazing. She's ready. She's She's ready. ready. So, you know, but make sure you give your guests, Kelly, at the end of the story. No getting excited. You got to give our audience a chance. So I'll give you like a cue. I'll be like, Kelly, take it away. Or Kelly, tell me. Okay. Or tell me. (laughs) Horrible. That was a bad joke. That was... That was a noble attempt, but yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> I would say 70% of my jokes are just my facial expression being like, hey, it's and that, that's it's where that the laugh GIF comes of from. It's from Hercules where he's like, eh, eh, yeah, eh, eh. <laughs> I feel like it's my face that sells my humor. When's, yeah, the, when's the comedy special dropping? Who knows? Uh, so we're going to start with from psychology today. Uh, fear is a natural, emotional, and biological response to danger or perceived threats. Everyone experiences fear from time to time, but not all fears are phobias. A fear can graduate into a phobia when the experience of the fear or the response to it becomes so extreme that it interferes with one's ability to function in everyday life. Phobias can develop in a number of ways. Traumatic experiences can leave a lasting mark on one's perception of what is and is not safe. Phobias can also be learned through social and cultural influences when we are constantly surrounded by messages about our safety or the potential dangers around us. Sometimes they develop through our repeated avoidance of minor anxious experiences or irrational, even superstitious, attempts to eliminate the feeling of fear. So, with that in mind... We are going to move to the urban legend of killer clowns. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, hell no. You didn't warn me there were going to be clowns in this episode. To be fair, it's just a teeny-weeny Halloween-y story. Oh, Christ. We're just talking about is this real or is it not? Like, do we have a genuine fear of it or do we not? So. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Buckle it up. I started, like, with a bang. I've got my big girl panties on. I can handle it. I mean, to be fair, I started this podcast with a missing child episode. That's when you just kick the door in and say, boom, baby. Yeah. So, killer clowns. Here we go. And don't worry. I don't like them either. The amount of people that have fears of killer clowns or people dressed as clowns coming after them with various objects of destruction. (laughs) 
is absolutely wild and is growing. So, of course, we have Stephen King's It, the original book, the film, the remake, the sequel. So many clowns that just want to fuck your life up. But our fear of clowns came far before Stephen King's story. So some experts have considered that clowns have the uncanny valley effect where a clown looks human, but it's not quite there. To pile on that superstition, superstition, well, superstition, um, the strange clown sightings along the East Coast in 2016 did nothing to help any of this. But are we, in general, afraid of clowns due to something that happened in real life? Or is all of these coincidental inf- like incidents, have they just been built up to be one big, terrifying, large piece of poop? Take it away, Kelly. What are your thoughts? I mean, so, so it's like, are we inherently scared of clowns or is it based on incidents? What do you think? Can you think of an incident? I, I feel like it's just the way they look. It, you don't have to have an incident, but it's like, it, it's more of just the image of this like. So you think the, the, unca- the uncanny valley effect? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with door number two. Yeah, I like that one. Well, door number one also exists. So there was a fairly well-known serial killer named John Wayne Gacy, who occasionally dressed up as a clown and performed for hospitals or town events. He murdered 33 young boys and was executed in 1994. We are a victim advocate forward podcast, and usually I would name the victims to keep in remembrance. But due to their age and for the privacy of the families, I'm going to hold off on that one. But the reign of terror was from 72 to 76 in Chicago, Illinois. So it would stamp this legend technically true. But then the expanding into a, like a creepy pasta of terrors for children, as I am also very uncomfortable around clowns it, prior to me knowing about John Wayne Gacy. So where I think that my discomfort stems from personally is that I can't see their facial expressions properly, and therefore I can't read their faces. So it's like a little bit of Uncanny Valley, and also because I hate strangers. Just kidding, but like, I, yeah, there's some stranger danger there. It's the exaggerated everything. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much happiness. It's too much forced laughter where I'm just like, I don't trust you. Yeah, totally. I, it's like Stepford Wives. You don't trust them. Oh, man. But no one is that happy. You do serve them Starbucks. God. With arsenic inside. That's fine. (laughs) I wish. No, I'm kidding. But (laughs) that's for a different episode, kids. (laughs) I used to work at Starbucks in Beverly Hills. Um, But, you know, it is technically founded in some sort of incident that happened in the real world that I think... Like, yeah, before creepypasta creepypasta Yeah, agreed. Like, there, there's a little bit of an origin. There's also, like, I mean, you can't... Unless you're living under a rock, you know Pennywise. Yeah. That yeah. image does not escape you. So. And I did not look up whether Pennywise or Gacy came first. I don't think it matters, Who knows? though. It doesn't... I feel like it's they go hand in hand. It's like a one-two punch. 
<laughs> and then like you're it. just KO'd on the ground in fear. Yep. I'm in, I'm into not being afraid because I don't want to be around it, you know? Mm-hmm. If the, if I had a choice between going into a room for a million dollars but there was a clown in it and just keep walking, I'm going to keep walking. Okay, but I need I need I need more specifics. You don't know if you're going to get murdered. See, that's the specific. <laughs> it's like is this just like Oh, you have to stand in a room with a child's birthday party clown? You don't know. How do you know a child? Okay, how many child's birthday party clowns episodes have you seen where they turned out to be a murderer? Well, not all of us watch Law & Order SVU religiously, Elizabeth. Whoa, whoa. Did I just get called out? <laughs> I'm just saying. That's why you brought me on here. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry, but right now it's Criminal Minds. Hasn't since episode one. My bad. My bad. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, because they don't stream seasons 13 through 15, I don't know about a birthday party clown episode. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Let's just move on, because the next one is even more fun. This is called Dead Body Decorations. I was hoping for an impact. I didn't get it. I just... I, the... Dead body decorations? Yes. So, there's a popular urban legend where people commonly think that some of the hanging dummies are real bodies. Okay. Okay. All right. Continue. I get where we're going. (laughs) All right. So, I've heard this classic tale all over the country. And the question is, is it actually founded in real life? Do you think that there is something behind the madness? That's the question. Okay? So... The most common legend. On December 8th, 1976, production crew from the television show The Six Million Dollar Man, they were filming a scene for the episode Carnival of Spies at the Pike, I believe, which is a carnival. Don't take my word for it. But during the shoot, a prop man moved what he thought to be was a wax mannequin um, that was hanging from a gallow a gallows that sounds weird but when the mannequin's arm broke off human bone and muscle tissue were visible true or false you know i've heard some wacky stories from set that one i just don't i don't see well wait what year was it december 8th 1976 you know shit was fucked up back then i'm gonna say it's true you're correct i was about to say I'm like, <laughs> in, that did happen. I Yeah, it had to have happened. 70s, okay. The 70s was filled with, like, raging murderers just going to town. They were like, let's all take a meeting, all right? Um, we're not getting enough representation, <laughs> so we need to up our game. The, the news isn't taking us seriously. It was like the Tea Party. The Tea oh Party God. just decided they were like, no one's taking us seriously, so we're going to infiltrate the GOP. Um, and in the seventies, it was like all of these like mass murderers, all of these like serial killers were just just like, we're going to go ham. We need, we need bigger, bolder moves. Well, you're going to be really upset to find out this story. Are you ready? Yeah. So Elmer J. McCurdy was an American bank robber and train robber who was killed in a shootout with police after robbing a Katy train in Oklahoma in October of 1911. 
Dubbed the bandit who wouldn't give up, his mummified body was first put on display at an Oklahoma funeral home and then became a fixture in a traveling carnival and sideshow circuit during the 1920s through the 1960s. After changing ownership several times, McCurdy's remains eventually wound up at the Pike Amusement Zone in Long Beach, California, where they were discovered by the film crew and positively identified in December of 1976. So after the film crew discovered him, the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office, you know I love saying that, sounds so official. Um, the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office <laughs> took the body and autopsied. He'd been completely petrified underneath layers and layers of phosphorus paint. They were able to match him uh, to the documented ID markers of McCurdy and through the exchange of hands over the past 60 years. And in April of 1977, Elmer McCurdy's body was buried at the Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma, under two layers of concrete to prevent anyone else from stealing his body. Wow. America. God, we're so stupid. I'm just like, I can think of like worse people. Yeah. Like a bank robber to do that body with. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Andrew Jackson. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Uh, His racism made his body shrivel up too much. (laughs) He could have been like a mini, mini mannequin. A mini mannequin. All that's left is his foot. He's a minikin. Um, hold on, hold on. Before we continue, my cat is like desperate trying to get out, and I don't want him to howl. One second. I'll Toby, do it for him. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> hold for catnical difficulties. We're still holding for Toby. Okay. All right, so sorry. Catnical difficulties are real. Yeah, they really are. All right. We ready for number three? Yep, let's do this. Wait, are you two for two or one for two? I don't remember. I said it was valleys in the first one, so I don't know if it was technically correct or not. We'll go with no, because I want you to have a no. Okay, that's good. So one and one. So number three, the Puebla Tunnels. In Puebla City, Mexico, situated in the southeast, there used to be a common legend of a mysterious network of tunnels hidden beneath the city. For hundreds of years, no one had found any sort of sign that tunnels existed, but there had to be some sort of source where the story had come from, right? So many Mexican cities have legends about secret tunnels underneath the streets, They were supposed to be during the revolution, either by the royalty or possibly the Inquisition. Um, I don't know why the Inquisition was in Mexico. I don't know anything about a Mexican Inquisition. I should learn about it. So grandparents often pass these stories to children, kind of like fairy tales. And you have to admit, it would be a really awesome story to tell. Because the legend says that you're supposed to be, they're supposed to like be able to, like, they're tall enough. You could ride a horse through these tunnels. Like, how cool would that be? You're in Puebla City and you've got to escape. So you go down to the tunnel and you're like princess style riding a horse out. Like, see ya, suckers. Dun, 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 dun. Why okay. does my mind go to Avatar instead and just ride out one of the big giant moles? 
Well, because that's cooler. That are earth-bending moles. Yeah. Insane. That's cool, and we don't have that in real life. I'm kidding, but, well, I'm not kidding, but I'm, my feelings were kidding. But anyway, do you think it's true or false? Do the Puebla tunnels exist? Yeah. You are correct. In 2015. (laughs) So, recently correct. In 2015, a tunnel system was actually uncovered in Puebla, and then... A full excavation revealed a six-mile-long tunnel system. System. Snick snaking beneath the city. You having some trouble there, friend? So much. (laughs) 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 I couldn't get it out. (laughs) Oh, boy. So the tunnels are believed to have been constructed as early as the 16th century. There's a lot of sus sounds. And... Through the 19th century, they have been opened safely as a tourist attraction and have remnants of different portions of the past, such as weapons, toys, kitchenware, and bullets stuck in the mud or left behind, showing their use as an escape out. Nice. I don't know who would be escaping death and decide to keep around like a whisk, but nice. I'm thinking they're like more like pots and stuff. Oh. This is my special pot. I would do something like that. I'd be like, <laughs> I have to have this pot. And then I'd be screaming at you, woman, put yeah, down I know. the You'd be fucking like, pot. Drop the pot. We got to go. Oh, man. <laughs> get on my horse, princess style. <laughs> yeah, your horse is going to be the one telling you to get that thing off its back. I know. It's like, we can't take the pot, lady. Ah. Oh, man. All right, the next one. We are on number four. This one is called The Alice Killings. And I'm not going to lie. This one sounds like it is straight out of a well-written anime. Okay? But here's the legend. The Alice Killings legend is one of Japan's more globally famous urban legends and also one of the newest. This story involves a series of killings that allegedly happened between 1999 and 2005. The victims of these crimes did not have any connection to each other, and the murders seemed entirely unrelated except for one striking similarity. You know, the thing that links them. A single playing card would be found by each body with the word Alice written in the victim's blood. And I'm, like, assuming that it's, like, some quill or, like pen that you like dip in ink but you dipped it in the blood or whatever yeah because playing cards are kind of small and they're also hard to write on because i got that glossy thing like dude have you ever tried to shuffle a new deck of cards yeah like those things don't dry fast you end up like 52 card pickup at the and then after having to kill them and then you have to go through the process of the blood and And like this person is insane like which card though but like i mean did you yeah. toss him a four, or did you use the queen of hearts? How many queens of hearts? How many fours? I mean, you just killed him. You got to give him some respect. I know. And then, you like, what did it mean? You just pick a number card. You got to be like, or if All it's right, a number, Jack. I'm gonna give you the Jack card. Because I don't give a Jack. Exactly. I'm Wait. just the just the thought process it's and too the much. effort. It's too much. Give me an easy kill. You know what? I feel like there's less millennial serial killers because we just don't care. We just, we truly don't care. We don't have the time. Like, all we're going to do is just like, nah. 
No, because actually I think the argument is we all would rather be killed. I think you're right. We How just want to be I'm killed. Like, uh. How many times do you walk out in the middle of the street and just be like, hit me. Hit me with your car. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Make all the student loans end. Dude, I'm telling you. I'm telling I'm you. I'm telling you. It's, it's what they we're go through. We're too tired now. It, we're, it's, this world is too messed up. I'm not going to lie. I keep getting texts to donate. And I'm like, donate what? Yeah, what money? Can I donate Monopoly money? What about tears? Yeah, I will pay you in tears and love. It always reminds me of that episode of SpongeBob where he's like, I made this sweater out of my tears. tears. <laughs> That's or the done. one where he, he knits it out of his eyelashes. Oh my God, I'm not going to lie. Lost my mind. I would have <laughs> lost my absolute mind. <laughs> oh. So anyway, for an unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated, yes, urban legends, the specifics of these murders are very consistent, right down to the names and grisly details of the murder victims. So the consistency and popularity of this legend may be thanks to the internet, and there is no evidence that these killings took place in Japan, but it's very hotly debated. We don't know how reliable the like we don't know i wouldn't know how to look up things in japan so so they just think that these happen yeah the alice killings are supposed to be a thing but there's no there's no evidence i don't know who's looking oh god i i don't know so that's do you disappointing think it's true or false i feel like it it has to be based on some amount of truth so like, you're saying maybe? Yeah, I'm saying I'm going to go with a hard maybe. Oh, I love a hard maybe because uh, technically the hard maybe is the most accurate answer you could have given me. <laughs> <laughs> it's truish. I win. <laughs> <laughs> because this story actually happened in Spain and it was the playing card killer. And here's how it shook out. So from BBC News article, there's a Spanish serial killer known to, for leaving playing cards on the corpses of some of his victims that have that has been given a jail sentence totaling to 142 years. Every time I read the word corpses, I think I think it of like copses, and I'm like, <laughs> he left some cards on trees. <laughs> Yay! So, former soldier Alfredo Galan, 26, was convicted of six murders and three attempted mm -hmm. murders mm -hmm. and shooting attacks all around Madrid in just 2003. His killing spree lasted from January until March. And then he it's turned always, himself into police. The, it's always the law enforcement, military people. Yeah, but he turned do. himself in. That's well, the part that boggles me. Good for him? In July. Like, why? Why? That's boggling. And also, why the playing cards? I didn't look, I didn't find info, but maybe I didn't look hard enough. I so then for the Spanish Alice ones. killings, they just embellished off of it? That's why I said it sounded like a really well-written anime. Yeah. Yeah. Like, someone write that for me. Okay. Anime is not my strong suit. Horror is, so if anyone can do the, the art, I got the story. Let's do it. Let's, Let's find do it. someone. You know what? We don't this need This is it. our new venture. Yeah. That's our next venture. XOXO. Um, are you ready for the next one? Yeah, let's go. I don't think you're ready for the next one. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's oh, God. The Bunny Man. 
No. <laughs> no. What the? Where did you find the shit? <laughs> the I'm gonna say bunny man. Honestly, the internet. I mean, yes. But also, I already knew of this one. Oh my god! I don't want to. Okay, so oh, I just have to rip read it you... off like a band aid. Let's go. Well, I'm gonna read you versions. There's more than one version. So, okay. the main version that I'm aware of is the legend begins in 1904, starting with a bus crashing while transferring patients from an asylum in Fairfax County, Virginia, a la the fugitive. I didn't kill my wife. The patients obviously escaped. Mayhem ensued, and all but one were eventually recaptured. I feel like Tommy Lee Jones was not involved in this one. Tommy Lee Jones always gets his man. Thank you. (laughs) Always. Thank you. I may or may not have a Tommy Lee Jones the Fugitive costume, and I have prepared a speech for Halloween. I'm very impressed. Thank you. I feel like Tommy Lee Jones is is too. I don't know. He seems like somebody who's very underwhelmed, much like my father. You know what? You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. And me, I'm always right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's not get too crazy here. (laughs) Um, Too late. We're talking about the bunny man. Oh, boy. So anyway, not long after the bus breakdown, dead bunnies, sorry, started appearing around the area, many hanging from the Fairfax Station Bridge. Another version, another version of the story has us back in 1904, but according to historian-archivist Brian Conley of the Virginia Room in the Fairfax County Library in the city of Fairfax, of Fairfax, 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 he researched the bunny man for more than 10 years. A prison bus broke down in the woods of Fairfax Station, and convicts escaped the wreckage fleeing into the night i didn't kill my wife oh my god is that gonna be the tagline of this episode (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's technically true i don't have a wife to kill so i mean hey oh boy just a daughter a dog daughter (laughs) i would never i would kill myself first Most were caught, except two, Marcus A. Walster and Douglas J. Griffon. It's technically Griffin, I think, but with one F, so Griffon to me. And we got names, just saying. So they hadn't been found. A search in the woods turned up half-eaten rabbits that finally led to Walster's body found by the Fairfax Station Bridge. Fairfax, Fairfax, Fairfax. From then, Griffon was known as the Bunny Man. And then we have even more versions that include children hanging from the bridge, a hobo dressed like a bunny, someone dressed in clothes made from rabbit pelts, and a man that lived near the bridge who didn't like children killing them and hanging them from the bridge, which just sounds like a troll if you ask me. So maybe you should have, like, you know, done something about that. But that's the bunny man. True or false? What do you think? I I mean, there's... There's so many different details to it. How can it be false? Is so, it, it's true. Oh, it's totally true. It's great. Yeah. Like, there's so many details to that of, like, there was one bus crash. But I gave you another one. a couple versions. Do you think any of those are true? I feel like some are. Yeah. 
So which one? Like, if you had to pick one that sounds the most true, which one? I feel like the dude eating bunnies to survive. So the one with, like, Douglas Griffon. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, there was not an asylum anywhere near Fairfax in 1904. But what we do know is that in 1970, and you know what we said about the 70s. 70s are fucked up. Dude, you know what my dad says about the 70s? If you remember them, you weren't there. Yep. So, a pair yep. of mysterious and scary incidents occurred in the area involving a man dressed in a bunny suit. No joke. Ready to hear him? Great, because I'm ready to tell him. So, a young couple was out. We're out. A, con- a couple. So, we got a couple. They're outside. No, I'm kidding. They're taking a mid-time, a midnight, midnight time drive. Mid-time night drive. Yes. Why would... I don't get that. I don't get anyone in their right mind wanting to go on a drive in midnight. Nothing good happens after 11 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's just nighttime and I fucked up. Oh, okay. Then I retract my statement. But also it could have been midnight. Who's to say? Because, like, that's what you did in the 70s. Like, you burnt gas. Yeah. I don't know. They were out driving at night. Which also sounds terrible. Why would you do that? Yeah, you shouldn't. (laughs) Also, they're driving in, like, I don't want to say uncivilized territory, but, like, woods. Which is possibly the scariest thing I would ever do. And that sounds stupid because I grew up in a state where that's the majority of the state. But I, like, mm, mm mm-mm. I've seen too many episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. I host this podcast. I live in Los Angeles. And let me tell you, I feel safer walking these streets than I do near a tree in the dark, surrounded by more trees. Because the forests are where bad things happen. I'm telling you. Like in every horror film ever. Like tell me one horror film that happens in Los Angeles at night. You can't. Because it's not that scary. There's so many lights. Yeah. You're right. When you're right, you're right. And me, I'm always right. Gotta stop saying that. I feel like it's from a movie. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I want to think of it by the end of it. Okay, so. They're out driving when a man, dressed in a white bunny suit, hurls an axe at their car. Why? (laughs) The axe broke the car window, but neither of the couple were hurt. Again, I ask why? (laughs) Two weeks later, another area man discovered an axe-wielding hoodlum in a bunny suit chopping up the porch of a recently built unoccupied house. But by the time the police arrived, the man was gone. So, the real-life bunny man was never apprehended. The Fairfax Station Bridge has all been, all but been renamed, blah, 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 Bunny Man Bridge. And the name is so popular, this is how you know you've made it. Google Maps uses it. But really, the 1970s were so goddamn weird. Why, why would anyone, this is the thing, whenever you ask someone, like, what decade would you read? No one says the 70s. 
oh god i read this tweet and i'm sorry like i'm calling some people out they were like oh i wish i had been born in the 90s that would have been such a great time and no I was it like, wouldn't have they were like i wish i was born in like 1993 and i just i almost slipped because one that's after i was born and two i was like what no i'm sorry okay here's the thing that people don't remember about the 90s bush bush well that's well it was more yeah you would have been you would have been around for that you would have been around for that but also like hiv aids scare was rampant in the 90s oh uh don't forget no child left behind no child stranger danger stranger danger and then like just on top of that all the lgbt hate oh yeah that was matthew matthew shepherd like yeah, like, I, I... Come on, people. You don't want to be our age, guys. You don't want You don't want to feel as old and jaded as we are, okay? We crawled so you can run. Yeah. Okay? We, we crawled on our hands and knees out of the cesspool that was the 90s. And as we children. lived. As we lived. As adults. Like, enjoy enjoy your naivete. Because the 80s were also so goddamn weird. Yeah, everything was weird. Honestly, I'd like to make a correction. All decades are weird when you look at it. But some of them were far weirder than others, and the 1970s takes it. 1970s is peak. Like, you never hear, I've never heard a person say they wanted to live in the 70s. But speaking of 90s, that takes us straight into our next story. And I named it Razor Blades, LSD, and Temp Tattoos. Oh, my. Sweet Jesus. we're millennials. Everyone before us also knows that there could be razor blades in our candy or drugs such as LSD or a pot in the Mary Janes. Don't forget that temporary tattoos could be laced with something to either kill children and or harm them. There was also the thought that there were people out there that wanted to hook children onto drugs because that would be a reliable source of income for those drug cartels, these six to ten year olds. God, I remember. I remember vividly having to come back home and anything that my parents said was shifty they threw out. Little did I know that my mom took all the Snickers candy (laughs) and shoved it in the freezer for her to eat as little bonbons while we were at school. But I digress. Yeah. I mean. Anything, anything homemade, we couldn't have it. Oh, that's sad. It was sad. It's sad. And it's stupid. So let's talk about the development of candy tampering situation so in 1959 there was a california dentist his name was william shine with a y shine he gave out candy coat of laxative pills to trick-or-treaters and he was charged with outrage of public decency and unlawful dispensing of drugs i think it's funny because he gave out laxatives to kids and they just shit their pants like yeah, that's like, funny how is that how is that him breaking the law how kids shit notice? their pants on their own yeah it was like, <laughs> like come on he probably helped a few too because let's be honest Who not isn't? all kids eat properly literally none did back then yeah so you probably got like mr like little timmy over here 
who hasn't taken a crap in a month and he's like <laughs> crying he's crying from relief and his mom thinks that he's in pain instead no he's not crying from pain madam he's crying from relief that he's finally moved something out of his goddamn bowels dude honestly he should have he should have like copyrighted candy coated laxatives i mean and as adults, we all know that we could use those every now and then. I'm just saying, gotta clean that shit out. Exactly. intended. Oh, man. All right, so another one, which is, like, kind of my favorite. In 1964, a, discar- a disgruntled, disgruntled Long Island, New York woman gave out packages of inedible objects to children who she believed were too old to be trick-or-treating. The packages contained items such as steel wool, dog biscuits, and ant buttons, which are clearly labeled with the word poison. Nobody was injured, but she was still prosecuted and pled guilty. Wait, pleaded, sorry. Pleaded guilty to endangering children. I'm sitting here thinking, thanks for the dog biscuits. My baby's going to be thrilled. I do need some steel wool, actually. i got to clean this thing in my house. And ant buttons, sometimes you got to deal with ants. I just want to know what age she deemed was too old. Because yeah, if I got if I got someone that was like thirteen, fourteen years yeah, old, yeah, I think that's what it I'd was. be like. Here's some steel wool. Go clean out your bedroom because we all know that probably hasn't been cleaned in a month. Dude, I mean, they should be glad they didn't get dog shit. Exactly. Count your blessings. Dog biscuits are expensive. Man. Huh. I would have been like, let's go feed some dogs. Kids don't know genuine gifts when they're given. Dude, I'm just saying nobody got hurt. Chill. No one got hurt. Exactly. You know some, it was some like pre-Karen, what would we have named her? Bertha? I don't know. Who was like. Mildred. "Uh, Mildred. That is the (laughs) perfect name. Karen's mother, Mildred, was like, this is unacceptable for my child. And, like, you know, got the whole church riled up over that. You know what? If that lady was still alive, I wonder if she is. 1964? Well, actually, that's, like, uh, it might be old. I don't know. I'd send her a card with some money. Yeah. Me, too. I'd bail her out of jail. Yeah, I would have. So, another notable milestone of this candy tampering was an article by the New York Times in 1970. We've already ripped that decade to shreds. It said, or the article claimed, those Halloween goodies that children collect this weekend on their rounds of trick-or-treating may bring them more horror than happiness. And then they provided specific examples of potential tamperings, which all were debunked. Um, then there was reports and copycat incidents that peaked shortly after the Chicago Tylenol murders. If anyone doesn't know what that is, it just a little quick oversight. Somebody tampered with a couple bottles of Tylenol because there was no safety lid. But also, this, the, the safety seal is just security theater. Look it up. Tylenol does kill more people a year than the Tylenol murders do because of their dosing problems. Look it up. Um... But those were first reported one month before Halloween in 1982. So this incident involved, oh wait, yeah, someone who added poison to bottles over the counter. 
uh, medication, and it was delivered to a couple stores in the same region. So yeah, I believe they added arsenic to Tylenol, like the pill that you could pull apart. Um, and that is why everything oh, ever Jesus. has a security, quote unquote, security tabs on it. But still able to tamper that, just so you know. But you should look into what a dose of Tylenol per day is and what dose of Tylenol could kill you. And you will find that that margin is very small. Uh, what the fuck? Did you not know No. Oh, dude. Luckily, I take a leave. I don't take Tylenol. Do the same thing with the leaves. Make sure that, like, I always look up what's the, like, lethal dosage of something. Not because I'm, like, a hypochondriac, but because I know people like Tylenol lied. So I mean, I I'm trust a hypochondriac, no... so that will not lead yeah. to good I don't trust a drug company. <laughs> I don't ever trust a drug company. So, like, I always want to know, like, you know how they're like, you can take up to this many in 24 hours. Okay, but how many will kill me? Yeah. And Tylenol, like, the margin is, like, four pills, I believe. I might be lying. This is off the top of my head, people. But, like, look it up. It is crazy. And a lot of people, like, die per year over just Tylenol overdose. Wow. Yeah, you can overdose on Tylenol, people. Um, yeah. Also, in addition to that, you know, a little side note on that. Look up the Tylenol murders. Maybe we should do that because that's <gasps> never been solved. Let's do it. Uh, 2018. The Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission warned that parents should be on the lookout for products that are unsafe for kids after they trick-or-treat. So do you think all of this hype, true or false? Again, it's a hard maybe because, like, I know for a fact some of it has been debunked. You want to give it a true or false? I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a true, based oh, it's on. it's a like, big old false. It's a big old false. Even the ones that the lady was. She didn't tamper arrested. with candy. But even the guy who put laxatives in his chocolate. He didn't tamper with candy. He just candy coated laxatives. But. But. So you ready? Okay. Are you yeah. ready for this? Da na 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 na. Joel Best is a sociologist at the University of Delaware, and he specializes in the scholarly study of campy, candy tampering legends. And he collected new p- newspaper reports from 1958 to 83 in search of evidence of candy tampering. Fewer than 90 instances might have qualified as actual candy tampering, but none of the cases he um, attribute to the events to random attempts to harm children at Halloween holiday. Instead, most cases were attempts by adults to gain financial compensation or, far more commonly, by children to get attention. Uh, Best found five child deaths that were initially thought by local authorities to be caused by homicidal strangers, but none were sustained by investigation. Fabrications by children were particularly common children sometimes copy or act out stories about tampered candy that they overhear by adding pins or pouring household cleaners on their own candy and then reporting the now unsafe candy to their parents in these incident incidents yes in these incidents the children have not been harmed and they know that the dangerous item is present and that it would be unsafe to eat the candy 
far more prevalent during the same period were reports of vandalism, racist incidents, or children being injured in pedestrian vehicle collisions on Halloween. So I find this to be relevant due to the initial time frame to integrating neighborhoods, the us versus them mentality, oh, racism, shit, you're right. and those fake Christian morals that aren't Christian at all that started the panic. Then it spiraled out of control because this is back when the health and safety of children mattered, unlike today, you know, because we send them back to school in a pandemic, but I digest. <laughs> but if you think about the years of 1958 to 1983, what happened? Oh, that civil rights thing. Yeah, um, neighborhoods integrated. And if you can make children scared of people who aren't like them. I mean, Trump is trying to spread that fear right now. Oh, he's been doing it for... The suburbs, guys, but the suburbs. Like, come on. He wanted the Central Park Five to be, like, put to death. Yeah. And they were innocent. So it's not, it's way before his presidency did he ever have this view. Yeah. He's a racist motherfucker. Well, you know. Oh, I say it all the time. Yeah. He's racist. Yep. He's one racist motherfucker. And if you think that this is the first time he's ever said it, nope. Yeah. It, the presidency didn't make him racist. He made the presidency racist. Yep. Just out loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so really candy tampering, I have to say, is a racist. I would you have consider to agree it. with you. Yeah. Because really there's no there's no evidence. And so the us versus them mentality is one hundred percent racist. I said it. Mm-hmm. And you should have. It's very uh, accurate. Because there's no other reason other than oh, we don't wanna we don't wanna check the candy from the uh, other family you shouldn't eat that candy because it's not good candy shut the fuck up it's not appropriate candy yeah even if it had marijuana in it like that's a blessing yeah well first get your kids high they'll go to bed without screaming my thing is drugs are not free it makes no sense for, like, some random adult to give out drug candy. That shit costs money. Yeah, like, no, you're not going to give a high to a random stranger. Exactly, especially a kid. I mean, like I said earlier, the drug cartels are not going to look into kids as a viable source of income. And that's all they're trying to do with this quote-unquote free drugs. And so if they're really trying to do it, they're going to get the parents. Yeah. Oh, my God. Beverly, chill the fuck out. I feel like there's a Beverly out there that needed to hear that. I know. Or a Karen. Karen's a state of mind, because I know a nice Karen. Good point. But I feel like she's the exception. Because there's plenty of women who aren't named Karen that are more Karen than the Karens that I know. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on to our next song. I wanted to say topic in one, and I said ton. (laughs) Oh. One time I tried to say, just in case the ledge is wet, or just in case there's water on the ledge, and it came out, just in case the water's wet. And I don't think I've ever lived that oh, down. Oh, God. <laughs> like, to myself. <laughs> I feel like you shouldn't ever live that down. Yeah, just in case the water's wet, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never know. So, the next one 
I didn't name. It doesn't need one. In 1992, one of the scariest movies of all time debuted. Candyman. And soon, Nia De La Costa is about to shred it entirely with her revival of the film, and I am crap my pants excited for it. So please go watch the trailer. If you haven't, it is possibly one of the greatest trailers I have seen in my entire life. No hyperbole intended here. So, in Candyman, there's a scene. Hit Candyman's hand, bursts through the medicine cabinet. Have you seen Candyman? No, I have not. Oh my god, we're watching it. I know, Uh, we are. We have it on the list. Oh, it's so true. Candyman's hand bursts through the medicine cabinet, and then there he has an iconic hook. So, was there a legend that this was based from, or does it have, like, basis in reality? What do you think? I feel like there had to have been a legend. Okay, so, true but adjacently. Okay. So the 1992 film was based off of the 1985 short story, The Forbidden, by Clive Barker, which was also based off his own 1978 film, The Forbidden. However, there are elements that were definitively taken from reality. So the one taken from reality would be the medicine cabinet scene, because the murder of Ruthie Mae McCoy, who went by Miss May, which is like the cutest thing in the world. Um, intruders came in through her home through the medicine cabinet. And that was because the medicine cabinet was set to where it was easy to remove for the plumbers to access the piping through the walls. And she lived in an older building, even for the time. It's like back in 1987. And... It was kind of, I don't want to say it was a project building because that makes it sound like it was in the projects, but that's not really a term I like to use. Um, But like it was one that was being kind of worked on, but it wasn't great. It wasn't in a good state. Um, And so all of the medicine cabinets were kind of like that, but she didn't know that it could be easily removed that way. On top of the fact, why would she think someone would be inside the wall? And so... um, scary right it makes you like think, yeah wait it makes you think how, twice I'm about to, those i'm trying to visualize how to get through a medicine cabinet so there's piping in the wall between all of these apartments oh i forgot to mention this apartment building didn't i um so they got into the crawl space yeah and then they went through her medicine cabinet they just pushed it and then crawled through creepy yeah horrifying what and the then f- what the oh god so you can read more about that specifically in this very detailed expose it's called they came through the bathroom mirror um very tragic like it actually i only read a synopsis of it because obviously it was doing 10 stories but very very tragic like there is no way she could have done anything different yeah but i believe that that scene was also reminiscent of this murder and that's kind of what makes it even more horrifying because that scene is terrifying and it also really happened um and then the iconic hook i believe comes from the well-known story of the hook man so it the story starts with a young couple who goes for a drive and gets to know um they hear about an escaped hooked man on the radio 
So later, the couple returns home, and they find a hook embedded in the back of their car. So, like, less Zodiac, more a swing and a miss. So the hookman would kill innocent people, like young couples, people roaming around at night. Um, and, the, like, the legend gained a lot of traction with the American teenagers in 1959. Um, according to some investigative journalists, the legend could potentially be, ba- like, linked to infamous murder cases, um, especially including, like, the 1946 Texarkana Moonlight Murders. I've been to Texarkana. I buy it. But in 1960, the story was reprinted in the acclaimed advice column, Dear Abby, and it also was referenced in various horror films. So Dear Abby's thing read, a fellow and his date pulled uh, into their favorite lover's lane, listened to the radio, and did a little necking, which I hate that word. No. Gross. That sounds gross than what it actually is. I know. Like, where did that come from? God. it's like also when people refer to like someone else as their lover. Oh uh, no, no, uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. It happened to Just, my face once, yeah. and like they were my age, and I wanted to vomit. It's I don't know not, why. It's our generation not wanting to define any kind of relationship. Partner works just fine. Partner works fine, but like boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, significant other. But lover gives me the impression of like something gross. And I don't know why. I, Ugh. It, yeah. Nails on a chalkboard there. But, so, anyway, they're listening to the radio and stuff. The music was interrupted by an announcer who said there was an escaped convict in the area that served time for multiple criminal charges, and he had a hook instead of a right hand, and so the couple gets frightened and drove away. That's all Dear Abby said, right? Yeah. In the 60s. But she, like, revives the story, allegedly. Yeah. And then... She's a white man. Or white woman. Sorry. She's a white woman. She'll, she'll do that. I thought she was Ann Landers. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I I'm probably know. wrong. Maybe maybe we're both wrong. We don't know, dear Abby. We're not 1960. Yeah, no one's 1960 here. <laughs> but also, I Know What You Did Last Summer has a serial killer stalking teenagers with a hook. Shout out, Kevin. The, oh, ho, ho. We shout, oh my gosh, two episodes in a row, he got a shout out. Oh, we love him. Um, stalking teenagers with a hook while they're chilling around a campfire and recount the hook legend, which means dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, that's the true but adjacent. There was some reality to Candyman. I'm not going to give away the story because I want like De La Costa's film to like blow some minds but also the original Candyman stands the fuck up it is still fabulous just go watch you some delightful film I will I promise okay good because I'll be there with you yes okay so number eight obviously the day of the year that kids are out and about with hardly any self-awareness or spatial awareness For that fact, it would make sense that kidnappers would take opportunity to snatch a kid, right? So kidnappers must be out in full force. Stranger abductions should be at their highest, and it would be triple hard to find a child due to costumes and confusion in suburban communities if they are tricking and a-treating and a-bustling and a-bumping. True or false? False. Oh, you're so good. 
<laughs> False, but with a sneeze of truth. Oh, God. Just a sneeze. Just a smidge. And I'm going to warn you, there's a stove box I'm about to get on. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're going to love it. Okay, I'm ready. She Let's hear it. So kids should trick or treat with some supervision. It's like leaving kids home alone. But what if, right? So there is a story of Shauna Howe, and it's so sad. So around 8 p.m., October 27th, which is not Halloween, 1992. What a time. (laughs) I was a year old. It was a good year. I mean, likewise, I was a year and 25 days old. Um, (laughs) Shauna's walking home from a Girl Scouts Halloween party in Oil City, Pennsylvania. When she was abducted at the corner of West First Street and Reed Street, two blocks away from home. Her body was found two days later, but it would be 10 years before the Howe family would finally have answers. It wasn't quite a stranger abduction as they thought, but justice was served. But as we've said before, especially in the first uh, episode of our podcast, like the totally first episode, stranger abduction is very low. Official statistics from the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children for 2019 states that out of 29,000 cases of missing children, 91% were endangered runaways, 4% were family abductions, 4% were critically missing young adults ages 18 to 20, less than 1% were non-family abductions, and 1% were lost, injured, or otherwise missing children. So we've said before, stranger danger does not work. What the focus should be on is showing children what is acceptable behavior. What stranger danger danger does is only show children that everything in the world is terrifying and the only safe place is family. But when you consider how many children have grown up in broken homes, not broken from divorce, but broken due to abusive parents or siblings, family cannot be a universal answer because that is no guarantee that they have the best interests for a growing child. Instead, a focus should be placed on recognizing improper behaviors and how to look for someone who can be a trusted adult. For example, I take care of children from time to time, and I want them to have the emotional intelligence, but also the street smarts, that if something were to happen, like let's say I fell and I hit my head and I'm totally incapacitated, and that was not planned, obviously, they... Would they know what to do? So, of course, I'm meaning children of a certain age, not a three-year-old. But I know preteens who wouldn't know how to handle that. So looking for mothers or nannies with children, recognizing what a real police officer looks like, being able to pick out a fireman or a traffic officer, knowing how to help or who can help in a situation, and what to ask, picking up a phone, even my phone, to dial 911 and how to speak to the operator and having the vital information memorized to give for an emergency. Some of these things were in our heads back in the day and the digital world has taken over. We can't forget that these safety measures that we ha- already do are now taken for granted. So no, there is no rise in abduction on Halloween. It's absolutely false. There's no peak. Children are still vulnerable, and we can be with them and keep them safe, but also enjoy the day. Never forget that there are steps you can take to help keep a child, teenager, or even a young adult safe. 
For more information, there is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's website. And if, when you feel your child is ready to know more about safety and what could happen if they don't use street smarts um, that you teach them, be honest. Be open and answer their questions as best as you can. And I say this from personal experience because I had someone do that for me. And I'm forever grateful that I had those answers because it saved me from severe consequences. So let me hop off that boat now. That was good. No, I I wanted to give you one of these. Oh, thank you. That was, I mean, it's so true. Kids, kids need to be able to know who to turn to because it's not about the aggressor. The aggressor can be anyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a stranger. It can be their parent. Yeah. It can be their teacher. It can be their uncle. It can be their brother's friend. Like, anyone can be someone who takes you for advantage and you should know as a small child who to turn to if anything happens exactly and that's the we just said don't trust any stranger ever and you'll be fine and that's probably the biggest disservice we could ever do to a child because one like you said family could be the worst choice and second what happens when they're not there What happens when you've gotten hurt, you don't see anybody? How do you know what a trusted adult looks like? Do you go to the random man standing and talking on his phone? Or do you go to the woman sitting with a couple children around her? I would go to the woman with the children. Or do you go to the dad with the children or the woman talking on the phone? I'd probably go to the dad with the children. You know, he's got other kids with him. He's interacting and playing with them. That seems safe. As opposed to someone not paying attention at all to what's going on. Yeah. Like, I think I think there can still be wariness towards strangers. Because Absolutely. Not, not everyone is an ally. Not everyone is going to be kind to you if, if you need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people, there are some people who do, you know, there is that small percentage. But just be alert. Just be on alert. Exactly. That's that's the thing, is that it, it shouldn't be about stranger danger. It should be like, know your surroundings. Where are you? Exactly. At all times, you should be paying attention. And also, I feel like, because I've said this before, we focus so much on what the victim can do to pr- protect themselves. But also, why are we not teaching perpetrators not to perpetrate? And Yeah. That's also the other onus of raising children is that you have to also make sure that you focus on teaching correct behaviors. And I feel like if you're teaching a child, these are the type of people that you want to look out for. It also kind of hand in hand teaches them. These are the behaviors that are acceptable. Yeah. And I think there has to be a better way of teaching street smarts because street smarts are important yeah. and knowing how because how kids interpret the world it's so very different like I'm not that far away from childhood but I'm also pretty far but I've had the opportunity to be with kids and help nurture some and how they perceive the world it's not black and white at all and being able to encourage children especially on halloween when they're having fun and they're around their friends if they already know what kind of people 
look scary, then they're going to automatically go away from them. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, don't go around any stranger ever, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so it's, like, more of, like, teaching people, people, children, like, how, like, what behavior is it, should you accept? Should you accept somebody treating you in this way or this way? But, I mean, of course, that's a bigger conversation, but in the essence of kidnapping. Yeah. I think that there is a better way to approach than just stranger danger. Yeah. It's way more nuanced than stranger danger. Yeah. There's no one way to just, you know, you actually have to parent and teach and show them what you see. Be like, I wouldn't trust this. Like, or if you have to step away, say, hey, if anything happens, go talk to Miss Sharon. Okay, because she can help you out. I'll be right back or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or if you get hurt, always look for this type of person or go do this or go do that. Like have a plan. Yeah. And memorize phone numbers like those are so important. Memorize your address. Um, Know 911. Know where you live. Know what to do. Like know your family members. Know your birth date. Those kind of things. So, yeah. Anyway. Now that we soapboxed about kidnapping, because <laughs> that's a big one that parents are afraid of on uh, Halloween. The next one is one of my favorites, number nine. I named it Mary Halloween Shitters Full. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, it's in honor of my favorite movie for Christmas, Christmas Vacation. Oh. You know, when Cousin Eddie's out there and he's like, Merry Christmas, shitter's full. Uh. Yes, Merry Halloween, shitter's full. So have you ever heard of gators in the sewer? Yeah. Or giant rats in the sewer that love to climb up the pipes and sometimes be in your toilet? Snakes. I haven't heard about snakes, but that's probably accurate. I mean, if you're in Florida, anything comes up your pipes. That's so true. Well, some of the most hilarious legends claim that New York City, of all places, has a whole colony of gators living beneath the streets. And I hope that there is a Mayor Gator, Mayor Mick Gator, who is running for re-election or something right now. Because things are tense, and that would be even tenser. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I agree. I more agree. tense. <laughs> also, we can't forget about our faves. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was going to say, I'm like, this is a complete lie because we all know that it's turtles down in the sewer of New York. Yeah. They live down the sewers with Shredder. You know? Yeah. Okay. So it's a total lie, you said? Yeah. Well, unfortunately for you, it's true. (laughs) What? So while it's far from the norm, there have been several real accounts of fully grown gators living in the sewers, especially in the southern U.S. In states like Florida, where the alligators live in the wild, storms and flooding can wash full-sized gators into the sewer system. Okay, but we were talking about New York. If you said, like, anywhere in the U.S., I already said, in Florida, shit climbs up your pipes. Anything can. Okay, I, I wanted about, I wanted to defend myself here. Well, I, guess, I was just talking about full sized, because like a full sized gator, that is a monster gator. Yeah, but so, it's Florida. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, but that's a monster sewer for the big shits they're taking in Florida. But uh, they're big shits to begin with. If you're a big shit, true. you're going to take an even bigger shit. There's only four people I know that have lived in Florida, and I liked them, and their names were Dorothy Rose, Sophia, and Blanche. And even then, they filmed it in L.A. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but police officers did pull a two-foot-long baby gator from a New York City sewer in 2010. Dun-dun-dun. Fuck me. However, it's not uncommon to find a rat in your toilet if you live in this city, like, you know, New York or a city in Oregon. And anywhere with a sewer system known to back up and have a delightful time. So always check the potty before you sit down to play on your phone because that shitter may be full. And you don't want to have to take a dump on Shredder. Oh my god. Or maybe you do if you're on the side of Leonardo. <laughs> I had no clue. I had Dude, no I saw idea. pictures. I saw pictures of like a rat in the toilet and I was like, no thank you. Man. This is why she's in LA. Yep. <laughs> because if I ever saw a rat in my toilet, um, my immediate reaction would be to flush it. And Same. that's a horrible thing. I would clog up everything. Oh, my God. So one time. Okay. I We talked about phobias at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I am legitimately arachnophobic. Like, I lose my shiitake mushrooms. Every time I see a spider and it could be as big as like the eraser on a mechanical pencil and I lose it. It's not (laughs) cute. So I was probably in 11th grade and my dad works. He still works for the high school I went to and he had found a tarantula on the school property. So he put it in a giant trash can and he was going to like take it um, in the truck and like just go set it free and then drive away. So, like, you knew he wouldn't have to kill it, but also it wouldn't follow him back, right? Yeah. Because it wouldn't know how he got there. Totally get that. But he was like, Elizabeth. Well, actually, my dad calls me Fred. But he was like, hey, look in the trash can. I was like, okay. And I looked in the trash can. No. I am pretty sure that they heard me in Australia. Because it was a blood-curdling scream. Oh, my God. I heard, like, he has these guys working for him, and one of them came out and was like, oh, my God, are you okay? And I was like, I don't think so. I just saw the worst thing in the history of the United States. And, yeah, that was worse. And so when he, he was like, oh, yeah, come with me to drop it off and I was like I don't want to do that he's like I'll get you Burger King and I was like okay I'll do it (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just have to be pragmatic about the situation but I mean it was in a trash can in the back of a truck and I was in the cab of a truck and then yeah so that's how that worked out but you you got Burger King I got Burger King you know it all it all worked out in the end those Burger King apple pies slapped so like yeah it kind of worked out so, yeah, that's that's how I felt about it. So if I couldn't handle that in a trash can in the back of a truck, if I saw something like a giant rat in my toilet. Yeah, you'd probably have a heart attack and die. I'd get evicted. Yeah. They'd be you, like, might have, nah. you might actually burn it down. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've threatened in this apartment 
before because there was a giant spider and then I just got raid and then I realized I could like shoot the raid from my bed and I was like (laughs) this is what I've needed my whole life we found cockroaches the other week and I swear to god I thought we were all gonna set fire to this place that's the only way like you gotta nuke it from orbit at that point yeah it's like we can't I'm sorry landlord we can't help it there were cockroaches that we is it the first time? Here. Yeah, it was the first time. So here's my theory, because I'm like I've seen more spiders than I've ever seen before, and I live on the third floor, right? Mm-hmm. I think because of the pandemic, no one's been able to go out and spray. We did our our guy actually just came and sprayed. So did mine. Yeah, it's like you gotta be doing that shit like once a month. I I sent pictures to my landlady, <laughs> and she was like, "Ugh," and I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> Thank you for the validation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're horrible. Yep. And then I raided it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of everything. Okay. Speaking of being scared of everything, we only have one more. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Number 10. Oh, man. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Guess what? It's what? the piece de resistance. What? The creme de la creme. What? Bloody Mary. Oh, no. Oh, you're excited for this? I know you are. Because everyone knows a version, and it's like the biggest thrill seeker for middle schoolers everywhere. Not even just middle school. For me, it was elementary. Ooh. For me, it was like I was in second grade. Yeah, first grade. I was in first grade, and this girl turned off the lights in the bathroom, and I was like, "What are we doing?" She's like. (laughs) bloody mary and i was like oh no and i just like ran uh yeah i think uh i think it was like second grade for me and they turned off the bat like the lights in the bathroom and the and the school. it was at every sleepover too yeah i'm like guys. it's like guys that's why horror films aren't very accurate because they should be more about yeah i know they're like oh like we're gonna middle stop school and talk girls. about boys yeah, it should be about middle school girls, like, bringing people back from the dead. That's really all we That's do. That's all we do during sleepovers. I'm sorry to the men listening to this podcast. I'm sorry <laughs> to we- give you the biggest blue balls ever. But women don't do what you think we do at sleepovers. Oh, even high school sleepovers. Like, yeah, no. I'm wearing the ugliest pajamas you can imagine. Or they're hilarious. Like, it's like tacos are my babies or something like that. And all I'm wanting to do is, like, so we're going to have a seance to bring back Robert Stack. Anyone in? All of us? Great. Yep. That's it. It's not that great. And you're like, oh, but they do sexy pillow fights. Literally never once have I had a sexy pillow fight. Never once. Because everyone knew if you hit me with a pillow, I would kill you. Yeah. That shit hurts. Uh Uh-uh. And you always get the face. And then I'm like, I had braces, okay? Oh, that could dude, lead to me too. getting stitches. Yeah. No. If you hit no. me with a pillow, like, unlike Patrick when he gets woken up from the secret box, and yeah. then he, like, he's like, get ready for the worst pillow fight of your life, and he, like, cocks the pillow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's me. Uh, I mean, we do gossip. Oh, we yeah. We gossip I, like crazy, but it's nothing sexy. No. We talk if shit. Anything, I am all in the time. bed by 10. <laughs> I'm in bed by 10, and if anyone wakes me up, I will murder you. Honestly, I think we're more like laying on the floor texting each other memes at this point. Yeah, exactly. That's all we do. 
That's all we do. We're There's no the Sims. like no, like we don't take sexy pictures or anything like that. If anything, it's pictures with us smearing lipstick all over our faces. <laughs> or trying to make each other look like Pennywise. Yeah, exactly. That's a real sleepover. Now, then there's the popular girl sleepover when they're trying to do all that stupid shit. But, like, I don't know them. Yeah, no. those. That's not fun. No, that was not me. I was I was, I was definitely of the variety where it was like, oh, you guys want to bake cookies? Sure. Yep. That so, was our rousing Friday nights. Oh, man. That makes, I want to do that now. I know. I did eat two-thirds of a pie. I'm proud of you. It was a very small pie, but... I put a lot of whipped cream on it and was like, it's my birthday month. I don't care. I don't care. Do it. It's 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 quarantine. Uh, <laughs> everything gets quarantined. So everyone knows this one. But did you know there's more than one version? Obviously, yes. Yeah. So historically, historically, the ritual had a young woman walk up a flight of stairs backward, holding a candle and a hand mirror in a darkened house. That's spooky coordinated. I might could do one of those. You might could do. <laughs> I might you could might do. could do. <laughs> Have you ever seen me hold a candle? No. No. Have you ever seen me hold a hand mirror? No. no. Have you ever seen me in a dark house? No. No. Definitely not that flight of stairs. We're in California. It's all ranch style. Where are you going to find a house with stairs? I know. That's what I (laughs) I live in an apartment building, so my stairs always be lit. Yeah. So, like, I'm chilling. I'm on the first floor. Like, that ain't happening. I mean, I'm on the third, which, I mean, earthquakes beware. But also, I'll be sitting on top of everyone. (laughs) I'm an... I'm undergoing a retrofit right now, so maybe I won't. But, um, so anyway, as this young woman gazes into the mirror, they're supposed to be able to briefly see a pic of their future husband's face. But, obviously there's a catch. If they were to see a skull or the face of the Grim Reaper, which I hope looks like Grim from the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, they're going to die before they have a chance to marry, or my hot take, they're not going to marry because they're a lesbian. Yeah, this seems very flawed. So flawed. So flawed. But also, we obviously do different things today. Bloody Mary apparition allegedly appears as either a corpse, a witch, or a ghost that can be either friendly or evil, and sometimes it's seen covered in blood, and like such variety, love that for her. The participant may find this apparition screaming at them, cursing them, strangling them, stealing their soul, drinking their blood, or scratching their eyes out. Even more variety! I don't love that journey for them, though. So, some variations of the ritual call her slash it by a different name. So, Hell Mary, as in, like, H-E double hockey sticks. Mary Worth, and that's, like, the popular ones. The modern legend of Hanako-san in Japan strongly parallels the Bloody Mary mythology. And let me tell you, it is a Japanese urban legend about the spirit of a young girl named Hanako-san who haunts school bathrooms, and the story involves a toilet to hell. I'm in love with it. Oh, my God. Yes! Talk about the ultimate shit. Oh, 
Yes. What if you were in like the like stall next to it when someone's getting dragged down the toilet to hell and you're like, adios. That's what, no, it's more like you just kind of hear it and you're like, do you, do you need to be eating more fiber? (laughs) We know a guy who puts chocolate on laxatives. Will that help? (laughs) Why don't you call him up while you're down in hell? He might be able to help you out. All right. But so you've heard the versions of Bloody Mary. Hanako-san obviously belongs in reality. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so do you think the Bloody Mary story has any basis in reality? No. You're going to sit on that note? Love it. Because you're wrong. Very true. What? So first, Bloody Mary was the moniker of our late but not great older half-sister. Well, what do I mean by our? Because we're American- if oh, she's not you American. mean, yeah, Bloody Mary, the, the yeah. Queen of England, yeah. So we're going to scratch that R and say the, of the late, but not great older half-sister of Elizabeth I. She was Mary I, married to Philip II of Spain. I think the Spanish Armada happened, yada, yada, Armada. Uh, anyway, she was bloody indeed, murdered a lot of Protestants, she did. And she was the first child of Henry VIII. The only child of Catherine of Aragon. I used to always say Catherine of Aragorn, though. Obvious reasons. Obvious. Pictured her father Obvious. as Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hot. Anyway, that's not the Mary I'm talking about, though. We are referring to Mary Worth. You might have picked that up earlier. Yeah. As she is very deserving of this title. So, this is from the Lake County Journal. So... I'm reading to this to you verbatim from the Lake County Journal. Um, bear with me. Bob Jensen, paranormal investigator and leader of Lake County's Ghostland Society, said, Dilly's Road used to be called Old Wagon Road, just north of St. Patrick's Cemetery. Lived a woman named Mary Worth in the 1860s. Back then, many homes... And Gurney looked like the Mother Rudd House, which uh, was part of the Underground Railroad. Mary was part of the Reverse Underground Railroad. She'd bring in slaves under false pretenses and send them back down south to make some money. What a bitch. Right? What a bitch. There were rumors among the townspeople that Mary also practiced the practiced the dark arts torturing and killing slaves for her rituals and for a time they turned a blind eye to her evil doings but there came a time that they were fed up jensen said they lynched her on her own property jensen said so that sounds about right good she got what she had coming to her she really did she had it coming Bum, bum, she, she had it coming. coming. Bum, bum, bum. She had it coming all along. If you'd had been there. Dun, dun. If you'd had seen it. Bum, bum. It's all on you now. I would have told you that you were wrong. Oh, isn't yeah. that? No. Isn't that? No. Who knows? It is Who now. knows? <laughs> That's but what, that was Let's epic. talk about the facts version. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got what she had coming to her in my own unprofessional opinion, but I am a human being opinion, but it does seem like she's the kind of gal that would get a kick out of the afterlife by scaring the shorts off of some middle schoolers. Am I right? 
Uh, yeah. But Kelly, did you know that if you say Bloody Mori in the mirror three times, you are the father? <laughs> I have waited the entire episode for that joke. Now I want to try it. <laughs> Never thought I'd have the opportunity to say, Kelly, you're the father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, hey, now you don't have to, like, do much. It's going to be great being a dad. I know. I can just throw in some child support. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. If you're in my family, my dad did a lot. Shout out to my dad. <laughs> okay, so... Urban legends, myths, old wives' tales, young wives' tales, middle-aged wives' tales, etc. They're all narratives about strange, sometimes funny, often horrible, most likely horrible, events that could have happened, and the details of which changed to fit the particular area, times, whatever. Legends arise in the oddest of places, and they can be anywhere stories are told. From around a campfire to the internet forums and even casual conversation. They help people cope with the world around them and things they don't understand. But also, it does provide a shared feeling of belonging. Now that you know the story, you get to share it. Perhaps it's like Homer and his Odyssey. It's a tale that goes up by word of mouth and it's just not nearly as long. And uh, we get to tell it. Oral traditions never die down. But thankfully, we do have the internet now to preserve it in a way, even if it turns almost everything into a creepypasta. But the actual phrase urban legend would be a misnomer because these stories rarely have anything to do with the city. But honestly, more with like country or woods, because those are scarier. <laughs> I like to think that these are like our modern legends, like modern myths, if you will. Because for us, this is our way of interpreting the world, even if we know it's just a story. So that's, Love it. That's what I got for you. Love it. This was awesome. Yeah. So do you have any like silly urban legends? Like there was one Starbucks I worked at, I think in Burbank, where we used to have a store ghost. And there was this guy who worked there one shift, never came back, never picked up his check. And I don't, I th maybe his name was Keenan. Hmm. I think his name was Keenan. Um, and so we, he was our store ghost. But basically when any, t anytime like something would fall over or whatever, we'd be like, Keenan. <laughs> and yeah. So in a way that was like our I mini, mean, our mini legend of the Starbucks. Currently, my roommate Jane and I believe that our apartment is haunted because <gasps> it's 92 degrees outside, but it is freaking freezing in our apartment, and we don't have the AC going on at all. Oh my god, stay tuned, guys. I'm going to check out their apartment. I'm just saying. We're going to go on a haunt. It's haunted or naunted, Kelly's apartment. Haunted or naunted. <laughs> it's going to be a wild good time. I mean, I hot take me, I might need to make a haunted or naunted sticker. I feel like you do. Oh, I feel like that's a thing. So we'll sign off and see you next week for another spoopy adventure. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.